With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales. And we have actually one of those those certain cases where it's morning for me. I'm just getting my day started. And we got Tim over here in Estonia, and he's just finishing up his Friday. So um, truly is one of those things where Web3, we can connect anyone and everyone instantly. Uh, and the only problem we always kind of suffer with is these time zones, which, again, somebody will have to figure out. It's just not going to be me. Um, you know, so so we're, we're kind of in uh, mid, mid-August right now. Uh, it's August nineteenth. We record this. Uh, you know, Bitcoin has hit, came up uh, from its low. I think of I think it hit about eighteen thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just came up to about twenty four, and and uh, looks like Hubei or we've got some other issues on on yet another exchange, and and so now uh, Bitcoin's sitting down there at twenty one again, and. Uh, trending down and all the FUD is rolling in that it's, you know, Bitcoin's going to hit 10, 12,000 or whatever the case is. Um, and, and so it's, it's really, again, an interesting time. I'd say that the uh, exchanges and, and clearly uh, Tim's going to have a lot of lot to say about these things are, are kind of in some cases, there's a lot that are in trouble. Um, it seems like those that leveraged uh, quite a bit over over the bull run and, and allowed people with with no real backing to you know five, ten, twelve, twenty x uh, margin on on some trades are, are kind of finding that suddenly liquidity is a little bit harder. Uh, the institutional money is is dried up for for some projects, um, but it's also flowing in for others. And so you know I, I continue going with as we've we've had conversations over the last you know forty five to sixty days since since the Terra Luna meltdown. It's been really interesting to watch. Watch the builders just become absolutely hyper focused on the future, and a lot of the FUD and a lot of the um, you know kind of uh, you know I, I would say projects that are that are nothing but hopes and dreams uh, have kind of fallen off to the side because there was no real science, there was no real logic behind the plate, and so we really kind of have a, a lot going on there, and and. Um, so uh, really excited for, for what we're going to talk about. But, you know, let's go ahead and, and Tim, you know, how, uh, let, let's talk about your backstory, where you come from and, and, and what brought you here today. Okay. So uh, just on that, um, thank God I don't have to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning to do a podcast. So I appreciate being uh, in front in Europe in that, in that time zone. Interestingly about time zones, we operate uh, across offices in Melbourne, Perth, Manila, um, Dubai, obviously Estonia, uh, Lisbon, London, Malta, and uh, and Sao Paulo. So it, it really is a difficult thing these days to try and manage all those time zones and manage all those meetings. But um, certainly, it, it's great that technology is there that we can do this and do it all properly. So it's always good. Where I come from, um, born and raised in Melbourne, in Australia. Um, went, to, went to University of Melbourne and did my computer science and commerce degree there. But um, I did my MBA at Crown Casino uh, in, in, the, in the poker room and I caught the poker wave back in, uh, in 99 and, and absolutely loved it and actually wrote my thesis on online poker back before it was all going and that really excited me. Um, finishing university when all my mates went to be lawyers or doctors or, or, uh, or accountants and whatnot, I bought a one-way ticket to Hong Kong and then a train to Moscow and um, 
took 206 hours and ended up playing in the Moscow Poker Championships in, uh, in 2002. I had a month there, a mate of mine ran a, a poker room there, absolutely loved it, and then came across to Estonia and I thought I'd come here for you know, six months, 12 months, um, play some cards and then try and position myself in Eastern Europe before the poker boom, which had been in America and Australia at the time, before that came to Eastern Europe, trying to position myself here and then build up a really, really good tech sort of team um, operating from um, from Estonia. Very interestingly, this is where Skype, well, previously Kazar, but Skype was um, was, was formed and generated. Um, this is where TransferWise came out, PipeDrive came out, uh, Playtech, something big in the gaming industry. So it, it, it's been... There's a lack of natural resource in Estonia. Um, so the government in the sort of mid-90s coming out of um, the, the Soviet bloc really invested heavily on fibre optic cable, putting, making IT as a part of the, 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 the school program. So you're learning CSS when you're seven years old at school. Um, you know, you're learning Java, you're learning um, database design and everything. It's a real part of the curriculum um, to the extent now where 97% of banking is all online banking in Estonia. So there was a very forward and progressive mindset uh, on how to build technology um, through that time. And fast forward, we were involved in poker for you know, a good 10 to 12 years, predominantly as an affiliate originally and then as an operator. Um, then there was a meltdown in the poker world, uh, which, which caused a lot of problems from liquidity, a little bit like the exchanges um, we're seeing in, uh, uh, in the crypto world at the moment. But the, the, the interesting point for me um, was I think it was Christmas 2013. We're having our Christmas dinner, 30 staff at the time. And I remember I said to the team, you know, we're smart people, we're, we're innovative, we're hungry, we can do anything we dream of if only we can control the money. And my CEO, CTO, who's been with me for 20 years at the time, Rayo, said, well, what about Bitcoin? And we're like, what the hell is Bitcoin in 2013? Within a month, we had a, a debt from one of the poker operators. Um, we wrote that debt off, took the source code out of escrow, and we launched the poker network um, using Bitcoin um, uh, native wallet, and we launched Coin Poker uh, in January 2014, put some slot games on the side of the poker, and within three months, we turned the poker off and we launched BitCasino. Um, and interestingly, from that, uh, that, that gaming perspective, we'd had experience on how to run a, uh, a poker room as opposed to the backyard operators like those, um, like Prime Dice and you know, Satoshi Dice and all those very early games. Um, they were sort of put together on a shoestring. We actually had the infrastructure and know how to, how to run proper customer support, payments and financials and, uh, and whatnot. And we grew our casino from there and just everything we earned, we put straight back in and we just put the head down and we built and built very, very hard. Um, to the extent where in 2016 we launched sportsbet.io and then as of 2022 now, we're 850 people and 14 offices around the world and um, enjoying being part of the ecosystem. And I, I don't know if I can say leading the crypto adoption throughout the world, but I think Gambling certainly is a very significant part um, of usage of cryptocurrency um, if done correctly uh, and, and, and done well. We can certainly influence how people can find a utility with crypto um, and that's what we certainly enjoy doing um, to this day forward. Wow. You know, so so number one, I, I did not know uh, much about, in any way, shape or form, I did not know much about um 
uh, Estonia. And so just real quick, I took a, a quick peek and, you know, really about the estimated population is only about 1.3 million. So, yeah. so very small. Your, your GDP is, is, uh, you know, 60 billion, um, which, which again is, is relatively small. I mean, that was, you know, almost the size of Terra Luna's implosion. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's amazing to hear that, that there's, uh, essentially this civilization sitting there around that's been focused for a few decades on technology and, you know, that, that you're using that, that, that kind of hub of innovation. And, um, you know, just as a real quick note, just out of my own curiosity, when you do have schools that are teaching code, when you do have um, kind of institutions that are that are focused on on you know kind of the Web two asset class, you know, how's it been? You know, hiring and growing in in, in a country like that are they are they friendly towards uh, innovation in cryptocurrencies or you know what's their, what what's their kind of standpoint? So let me open the can of proverbial worms. Um, <laughs> in regard to the people um, who want to work in this area of technology, it's thriving. Um, it really has been, and obviously costs have gone up in terms of programmers. It was much more cost efficient 20 years ago. But this is seen as sort of a channel for the students and the university students and the startups. I think there's more startups per capita here in Estonia than anywhere else in Europe. And um, yet it's a small nation, but for me personally, being able to live in Europe and, and, and find a home, um, I'm two and a half hours from London. I'm four hours from Barcelona. I'm, you know, two hours from Frankfurt. Um, it's close enough to be a part. But I always say Estonia is, it, it's small enough to know a lot of people, but big enough to do your own thing at the same time. So if you want to put your head down and work, you can certainly do it and not distract it. But if you want to go out for a party on a Friday night, uh, it's certainly very possible as well. Back onto the, onto the, let's call it the government perspective at all. Estonia has been known as Estonia um, for many, many years. It's got the national identity card that everything's tied to. You go to the doctor and you need to get your antibiotics. You don't get written a prescription anymore. You go to the pharmacy and you give your national ID card and your prescription's on there. Hmm. Now, this is all tax is done within two minutes, all done from online. Parking fines, Every government service has been onboarded onto the onto their let's call it intranet, um, and it's called the X Road. Now, what's very interesting and what would probably scare a lot of people is that who's watching Big Brother at the end of the day? And this is um, if we go back to an or- or- Orwellian type of um, mindset. What it allows in Estonia, citizens are allowed to look up who has been looking at their data, and that's all available on a private internet structure that you log in with your ID card and then you can see who is looking up and you can then ask why are you looking at my data so the citizens become big brother which is the way I believe it should be um, there was an issue back in 2007 with a, a Russian monument moving there was a big riot here the Estonian government then went and they backed up the entire country onto data service in Luxembourg you know so it's a very forward-thinking way of how to do things, or property transaction, notary transactions, everything is already online. Now, it's not exactly on a public blockchain, but certainly it's a private blockchain run by the government, but they've opened up the necessary access to the citizens to ensure it's done at the highest level of integrity um, that citizens would expect. Is it, a, is it a blockchain or a database? Database, but a blockchain okay. is a okay. public database. But yeah, it's a... It, okay. It's a, it's a database, uh, okay. exactly. Although these days they call it a blockchain because it's cooler. So. 
<laughs> yeah, listen, I, I was about to be very, I was like, holy cow, they've converted yeah. over. So so the reason I think that that's so interesting, the reason I want to take a second to talk about that is because when when we're talking about Web3, we're still talking about very early. And and for you to say, you know, back in, in 2013, 2014, you, that you believed in, in Bitcoin as a, as a true transfer of, of wealth and currency uh, and store of asset, like, you know, congratulations, you, you get OG status. Um, and, and really been one of the innovators of the space. I think one of the reasons that, that I'm going to also kind of point that you've got a, a lot of things going on for you is because you live in the future. Um, you, you live in a, in a country that has already gone ahead and digitized, you know, back in the Web 1, Web 2 era and made it happen. And so, you know, while, uh, you know, a closed database and there are, you know, there's, there's, there's transparency and I love, I love hearing that. I love hearing, you know, who watches the watchers. Um, you know, that that's, that's really the way it should be because we don't have that here in the United States. I don't even <laughs> want to get started. Um, you know, otherwise the, you know, the NSA, I'm sure will, will pay me a visit. Um, but, but the, uh, the, the core concept that you already kind of live in this digital future that everything exists, it makes it so much easier to, to facilitate and think about what it will be like on a blockchain, whether that's a public or private blockchain. And I, I think there's room in the world for both. Uh, both types of things, but but that that core concept that the data is out there, um, that that you don't need to have permission uh, to read it. In some cases, you do. In some cases, you don't. But but at the very most, no one can no one can adjust it or change it behind your back because uh, because there's you know once it's written, it's there in stone. And if someone made a mistake, mm-hmm. which happens, what's what what was the correction and why was it made? Um, so I, I love the thought of of you kind of living in this in this kind of little bubble uh, future of which you get to tell us all how how it's going to operate. Well, I, th- I think it's important because, you know, you've mentioned the population is 1.3 million people. Um, the whole country is on the internet and was on the internet from, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So there is a desire on, it's nearly, there's an expectation that's a public utility to have access to the internet like a public road. You have access, everything will be done on the internet and it's not some scary concept. I know in Australia they had a national broadband network, which is an absolute fallacy um, yeah. and struggled to get rolled out. Estonia is a small country that you can implement change and you can drive innovation and you don't have to you don't have to convince 250 million people, 100 million people in America. You've got 1.3 million people who need to do it and, and follow it. So in terms of being able to sort of put good systems in place and avoid those barriers to entry, barriers to change, Estonia has done really, really well. And I think people here love being part of Estonia. They really that's, subscribe to that digital identity and, and being a part of that, that's what we can take to the world in Estonia. I love that. That's fabulous. So so with all this innovation, with all this this kind of history, um, you know, talk about what you've built. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's more than one thing. You've done so much. Yeah, so um, we, we, we've had the gaming sites um, uh, for the last you know, eight, nine years and, you know, to the extent where we're now the, um, the, the shirt sponsor of... Southampton in the English Premier League and also a, a, a partner of Arsenal and also Flamingo uh, and Sao Paulo in Brazil. So we've been able to – one of the really, really cool things, we first sponsored Watford in the English Premier League and we had the front of shirt. And then the guy, the CEO, called me and said, do you want the sleeve, something on the sleeve? I'm like, no, we've spent enough. We don't need that. It's all right. And then a day later I called him back and said, actually, we do. We want to put a Bitcoin logo on the sleeve. Um, and we did that really to show the community that we want to be part of the community and we're part of growing the adoption of crypto throughout the world, not just here to try and make money from it, which obviously is a consequence of doing something good, but it's not our primary concern of what we're trying to achieve here. So within the company, there is a great desire to lead the charge in how crypto will change people's lives and how we will transact 
digitally across the world. And the greatest one for me is you know, obviously you can have eight decimal points of precision. Why should you be stuck with two decimal points of precision when you know, the world is a lot more detailed in that regard? So um, using crypto like that sensibly is, is a smart way forward at the end of the day to ensure we give the customers the best possible experience. I digress, however, sorry. Moving forward, we've built this and we, we did pretty well out of it and we started looking at the greater ecosystem around our B2C sites and we thought, well, perhaps potentially we should start investing in some slot companies or some trading engines or how do we move money better? How do we how do we trade crypto better? And we've, we started up YOLO Investments, um, which is basically a, a family office of the YOLO group, to invest in absolutely around the circle of products that we have. So we've now invested in a number of different banks in the UK, Luxembourg, Dubai, Singapore and Philippines. We're trying to create uh, a, a ramp using Lightning to move money and sort of bypass the SWIFT network and actually have any market participant be a part of that network. Now, we just have to be the chicken, not the egg, and we will bring our banks first into there and then onboard all the merchants we're working with and try and gather the attention and, and the usage of the, of the Lightning Network, which I think is an amazing um, amazing product or concept which is coming to reality. Um, we've invested in lots of slot companies, insurance, um, OTC traders, uh, a lot of Web3 crypto um, uh, um, assets as well uh, and innovations and our focus is quite simply on gaming, fintech and crypto. That's what we know best um, and as a VC in these days, it's um, people say, you know, what can you offer us if, if you invest into us? And it's like I can help you avoid the mistakes I made because I made a shitload of mistakes and I'm going to help you avoid them um, and that itself should be strategic enough value, not just capital itself, but strategic advice on, on how to take a business forward and grow it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say that that hearing just that that brief amount of the story and and looking at the investments you're making and, and talking about the utter hatred for the Swift system, um, which is you know still running on dial-up modems in some cases. Uh, yeah, got around, princes and, as well. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and clearly, you know, the, the value add as a VC, what you pointed out, is a huge one because you have the experience, and so banks can you know they can make money magically appear, they can do lots of things that they want, um, but but certainly the way you've kind of positioned yourself and and Yolo, um, if fabulous name, uh, yeah, is, is that the ability to help people navigate into this digital space, and yeah. you know, for you to be the the connector, the networker per se of you know, here's how we're going to help you on road into the next the next version, and and you know, again, we're still talking about an unregulated you know asset class, you know, crypt cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain. Uh, while there's certain restrictions here and there, for the for the most part, it's largely unregulated, and and you know, banking is is the opposite. It is heavily regulated. It takes you know a decade decade uh, to make any sort of changes. So even if they say today, we're done with Swift, we have no interest in, in this, we're going to go blockchain and, and here's the blockchain we're going to use, which is X, Y, and Z, it, it, it could be six to 10 years um, yeah. before they actually are able to make that change over. Look, it's interesting. I remember when Ripple first came out and it was meant to be the Swift beta um, that magically charged every bank a million dollars a month to be part of the network. Great concept, and it's still around these days. I don't know exactly what it does, but the coins are still around. I, I, I think we don't want to stop using Swift. We want to provide an alternative. We don't want to change the system. We simply want to say, here is a better way we think you can do things, and if you want to join us, you're very welcome to, but we're not about – we're not – 
government haters. You know, we're very regulated in terms of our um, investment fund, in terms of banks. It's all very regulated area to be in. And I don't think you can progress trying to say, well, we don't think much about regulation. We're going to ignore it and do it from BVI or, or wherever, Vanuatu or whatnot. We actually, to be a participant in the market economy, you need to follow the guidelines, however silly they may be, but we need to follow them and act within them, but at least try and disrupt and innovate within that framework, which is somewhat acceptable. What disappoints me is, and I saw a picture today of a, of a banking summit, and on the picture... There was Houston, we have a $5 trillion problem. And then it started going through about the, the, the valuation of the crypto markets and the NFTs and whatever else. And this is a group of bankers going, we've got a problem, we don't know what to do about it. My answer would be, banks, get on the stage. You know, don't be a Kodak. You need to push forward and not be scared of change. You need to adopt and, and, uh, and be a part of it and lead the challenge. It sort of comes back to people in gambling or, or, or porn or wherever else. This has always been the... I'm giving myself a bad name here, but this is where the real technical innovation takes place because we need to find ways to satisfy our customers' desires. We will find ways, and crypto has been the most beautiful digital gambling chip I've ever seen in my whole life. In my opinion, crypto is not an investment asset whatsoever. It's a trusted unit, but it's a trusted piece of value between two untrusted parties that all parties can rely on that it won't lose its tangible value at that point in time. And really, this should have been happening 50, 60, 100 years ago uh, from, a, from a banking system coming out of Medici's in the 1600s. But guess what? We are here now, and this is the way it needs to be. And people need to stop resisting that and actually go, for some parts of my digital life, this is a better way of doing it. I can't believe people used to use credit cards on the internet, typing in numbers. and You type it in, oh, I'm going to go grab my card, type in the CVS. MetaMask, open, click, send. You know, so there's a difference. Yeah, so there's a, there's a few points I'd like to, to make on that on, on that statement, and I agree with you in, in most parts. Number one, I, I think you know when people say when when is crypto's kind of like coming of age going to be? I think it's going to be when you can see it on your bank account. When yep. when you can look and, and say, you know, here's my here's my checking, here's my savings, here's my Bitcoin, here's my 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 my, my shit coins. Um, that, that that's real now. I can I can absolutely facilitate and say that it's it's transactionable and everything else. You know, the, the concern I have is is you know the these there's no wallet on in crypto like mm-hmm. in metamask while it works and and you are absolutely more than more than familiar with it i'm sure your staff is um you know i i train people every single day i'm sure you educate uh as well as around the world on, on metamask and i just feel like there's some base level of of regulation that's needed um to create a fair playing field meaning you know you you can't you know intentionally um you know uh, lie you you have to be able to have some some base levels of recording i mean we just saw what happened with three arrows capital and and you know voyager and celsius and and the list kind of goes on and on because they weren't being transparent um they were hopeful (laughs) they were very hopeful the sky is the sky is blue and the rocket ship was was certainly moving up um but they weren't clear about the the problems they had underneath the hood and that kind of gave a false pretense of, of safety and then the the other side of it is is just the the overall uh, 
basically, I, I don't see a single wallet that's worth anything. And and I'm not knocking on MetaMask. I'm not saying anything else. I'm just saying it's too, there's too much risk. I Every single week, I hear about people that have lost their funds. And some of these people are, are incredibly well uh, versed. And, and we saw it the other day. There's just, there's hacks that appear and, and everything else. And so I, I agree with you that I would love the thought of a Web3, you know, transactions. I, I think they're great. I love, I love Phantom uh, Wallet. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really, really good product. Um, but I'm, I'm still like, every time I, I open my wallet or anything else, like I'm freaking yeah, out. I'm, I'm, still I'm, there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. It's, it's, you know, it's there. So it's, it's just, it's not, you know, the credit card, like, you know, somebody steals it, you know, I punch that number and somebody steals the, steals the number, steals the thing. Like I can call the bank. I can dispute it. It's, it's not, it's not my problem. And, and crypto is just, we got to figure out what that, what that layer is of trust. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Ultimately, to be your own bank, you're, it's a non-custodial wallet, you own control of your private keys. And if you're not in control of the private keys, you don't own the money, you simply have got an IOU. But the world, unfortunately, is not ready for that type of responsibility, so you need to have a custodial wallet with a help number, a 1-800 number that you can call, I've lost my money, what do I do? Because there are a lot of people who are not ready for that responsibility and this is where banks can come in and make ridiculous amounts of money so maybe that wallet needs to be here is your custodial onboarding and then here is your tracer with your own private keys and how to do it now i don't think people should be keeping net wealth in a single wallet i think people need to learn how to use tracers and safes and whatnot or the fire blocks of the world which in essence is non-custodial we're very happy customers fire blocks and we use them for our institutional um, treasury management and this is a great solution and our biggest question was if we lose some of the keys what happens and how does that go and i, I forget the technical i think it was an impact or something like that how they work it all out anyway my cto was very very happy with it when we finally got to the details he goes yes good um so how do you so how do you bring that back to a retail level to make it work perhaps crypto should be for the money you carry in your wallet. So if I've got my wallet over here with 500 euros in it, if I lose my wallet, I lose my money. So perhaps I need to limit how much money I carry in my wallet and not keep four and a half million euros in my wallet. Not that I'd fit in there, but you know what I mean? The same type of people need to understand that it's not just one crypto wallet. You need to have different levels of safety and security. And the more easy it is to use, the less privacy and control you have over that money and the harder it is to use, the more security you have in your money. What's the balance there and how do you find what that? So my MetaMask, I kept $1,000 in it so I can click, 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 good to go. If I need to top it up from my tracer, I'll do that and I'm happy. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with you. I mean, we're, we uh, YWills is on Fireblocks as well and we went through the long onboarding process. And, and I equate that as, as, you know, that's the F1. Um, yep. you know, the, 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 it is beautiful. It is, it is gorgeous. It is very well done. There's more features and, and buttons and things than you could ever think about. And, and any kind of facilitating these transactions and, and multi-sig and everything else, it, it just works. And I feel very secure with it. And by the way, it's also insured, um, yep. the way, the way it should be, but it's $60,000 a year. So it's not affordable for most people that want to do this. And and there's mm-hmm. no, you know, Genosis, sorry, it, it, it doesn't work. Um, you know, and it causes more problems than it needs. And so I think there's been some stuff there, but I, I think, you know, when we can get that six thousand sixty $60,000 down to $600 for a be- even a better product, that's the way innovation works. You know, Fireblocks is, 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 
is still building this thing and going and scaling. Um, you know, I don't know how many clients they have, but I'm sure it's in the you know thousands, maybe tens of thousands, mm-hmm. but it's not much. Um, but you know that that concept and that and that solution that's what we hope out of these these bears these bear markets is that suddenly the people that were you know that were making money they weren't making money they were they were on these projects suddenly turn around and go what was the, what was the things that really didn't work during that last bull yep. run um, and and and, and truly it, it is very hard to onboard people into crypto um, for for the reasons that that we just talked about so sorry yeah no no I, I just I, I, I ran along say, so go for it I, I, I agree with you and like. One of our biggest issues is how do we convert someone from being a fiat player to a crypto player and what's the benefit? And I always go back to the adage that, you know, we always used to ring up the, the taxi company and order a cab. I have to work out the address and have the money and get the change and give the tip. I, I have my parents over and we were in Moscow, I think, and I showed dad Uber and we used Uber. And all of a sudden, we didn't have to talk to the taxi driver, put our pins in, paid from a credit card, and we got to our destination. Now, from that point forward, once you got over that barrier of entry, being scared, then you can use it. Then you'll never use the old-fashioned way of doing it again. So it's almost a hand-holding exercise on getting people comfortable with the technology. But I don't know. You look at WeChat. They've had WeChat pay for, what, eight, ten years now, and most of the Chinese economy uses WeChat pay for its payments. Grab pay in Indonesia and Malaysia. It's... I almost think America and, and, and Europe especially is a little bit behind the times with that sort of digital adoption. The one I'm most excited about, we're invested into something called Jamba, which is an African Web3 uh, play, which is going out to universities, onboarding people into a Web3 wallet, letting them play an Axie Infinity type game, giving them a chance to make their $20, $30 a day, but actually have a thriving economy of buying Merchants will have their QR codes and their Jamba wallet as well and trying to build up little economies all the way around and then build up the infrastructure so the money can flow in a circular fashion. Hugely exciting. And Africa doesn't have that middleware, if I can call it, which is internet banking, which is checkbooks, which is the way what we've grown up on using. So yep. potentially it bypasses that and goes to a world where they only know that wallet with that USDT or that Ethereum is the way we transact because they've never had the opportunity in their inflationary fiat currency world to actually have proper bank accounts like we know it these days. So maybe that Africa, India, um, subcontinent, Southeast Asia, maybe that leads to the future in the next 10 or 20 years of adoption of crypto. And we all sit back in 10 years and go, wow, how did we miss out? Why didn't we see that happening? Type question. Yeah, and I, I see a lot of people do look at it, and, and I always like to compare. You know, I, I, Web three you can compare to Web one. I don't think you can compare it to Web two because it's it's mm-hmm. so dynamically different. Um, it's not an evolution of it's an, almost a complete rebuild of of the web um, and the infrastructure there. And so you know, but but remember, I mean, you you were there. You know, in in the the mid to late nineties, if you said you put your credit card in online, people were like, oh my god, you why would you ever do that? It's you're crazy. Why don't 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 do that? It's going to get stolen or whatever the case was. And it was just it was so out there to think that you could do a credit card transaction and and now you know post covid people are like you went to a store like are you yeah. insane why would you walk into a, a physical place where you could just put your credit card in a line and make it happen so it, it just takes you know it takes time and you know for for visit people to change and for generations you know i i i'm i'm 40 i'm mid 40s so um it, you know, I kind of grew up with with you know Web One, and I understood that I understand how to use it. I feel safe with it. I I 
can absolutely interact. So I've been on, you know, doing credit card transactions since, you know, the early 2000s. And, and you know, I, I actually looked yesterday, my eBay account was open in 2002. Um, <laughs> and when and you so open your, your Yahoo.com email back to yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so you just yeah. kind of grow up with these things. And so I, I feel like a lot of the infrastructure that we're building today in Web3 is really designed for the Gen Zs. You know, they're the ones that are going to bring that mainstream adoption because they, they, want a digital life already. They already feel that they have a digital life. They just own, don't own their digital life today. Yeah, and it's interesting. You, know, you, you look at sort of, I grew up on Facebook uh, around that time. I'm mid-40s as well. And now you look at the younger generation, it is YouTube and TikTok. And honestly, it dominates their life. And I'm mm. personally disgusted by it because I grew up riding my bicycle and playing cricket in Australia out swimming in the, in the sea, going surfing, and here's a different way of life. But maybe this is, unfortunately, where it's getting to, that you are connected so easily by different things, and that 30-second TikTok video is quite engaging, or maybe it's short attention spans, I'm not quite sure. Going back to the days of Netscape and Dogpile and Yahoo, uh, X, uh, another one I can't remember, but things have changed rapidly, and you wouldn't believe what Netscape looked like if you look at a Chrome browser now, go back to Netscape, how could you use that? Well, imagine five years when we've all got a safe Google or Apple crypto wallet. Yeah. Which people have been onboarded by. My God, how could you use myetherwallet.com? It's, we will look back, but this is the, the evolutionary process. It's not an overnight process. It happens over time. And the, the people who wouldn't have the best product, and the best looking out, put the customer first, and people will naturally radiate towards that. So I think the key to the crypto revolution, evolution, whichever solution you want to have in there, will be a Google or an Apple, or I honestly thought DM from Meta would be a world game changer. I was thought that how brilliant could it be changing the whole economy. But they've got pressure from... Uh, the, the people upstairs that said you can't ruin the US monetary policy, guys, so stop doing what you're doing. But when a Google does it, like if you think about Apple Pay and people have got all these credit cards, you can now bring those credit cards into Apple Pay. You can go to an NFT or not an NFT, the NFIC reader, double yep. click and pay. It's a secure transaction because I trust Apple, it will trust me. Smart business model. Imagine getting a crypto wallet in there as well and letting that evolve and adopt. That would bring you security, the safety, all logged in via secure Apple login. Bob's yeah. your uncle. Yeah, and, and and you know, listen, we've already seen a little bit of this. HTC has has a couple cell phones mm -hmm. out that have dedicated uh, hardware chips specifically for for cryptography and 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 designed for for cryptocurrency security because um, you know to to eliminate a little bit of hacking. Um, and, and we've seen this before. You know, like Samsung or or HTC comes out with like, hey, we're going to have you know two cameras, and and Apple's like sticking with their one, and you know, they're just like, oh yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then a few years later, suddenly like Apple's got three cameras and. It's yes. like, you know, and, 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 and suddenly it's a thing. And so we, I, I still sit here and say we're, we're early. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you were ultra early and I'm sure back in, in, you know, you launched in 14 and I'm, I'm sure you're thinking around 17 when the, when the bull run was going, you're like, here it is, here it goes. We're going to like, you know, we're going to have, you know, 5 billion people that are going to be on, on cryptocurrency with it by the yep. end of the year. And then no. Interestingly, when the price goes down, we find the players play more. So 
You mentioned um, um, three arrows and whatnot, and I think the problem with that is people get very, very greedy very, very quickly without having a good, sustainable, long-term view of what they're trying to achieve. And when money's cheap and you can leverage and everything's going up, everybody jumps on it because I think, here's my free lottery ticket, thanks very much. Our, our, our treasury policy has been very easy. Every week, we balance up to be 50-50, 50% crypto, 50% fiat. And it's basically a dollar-cost averaging process because we have real-life expenses and employees and whatnot. I, you, you can't gamble with that. So we've done this for, what are we now, eight years, nine years, and it's sent, we maybe haven't maximised when the, when the coins went up too much, but it's, it's enough to enjoy the upside, enough to protect the downside that we found this to be a very good strategy from a long-term growth perspective. And I just think others get very greedy and think they can jump in there, leverage at 100x, and everything's going to go up. Well, I bought shit coins as well because I thought, well, I'm not going to miss out on this, and now I've got a pile of them in Exodus. Like, but that's part of the learning process, you know? Yeah, and speaking of Exodus, I actually do think that's a fabulous wallet. Um, it, yeah. it is a hot wallet they've they've got there. But for anyone that's kind of new, looking at you know what do I want to do, it doesn't interconnect. You can't. It's just a storage uh, storage facility. It's you know you can't make on chain transactions, and and their DeFi integrations are, are absolutely horrible. But but I do think it's it's a good interface. So I'm just gonna you know I give I give credit where credits due, and then I knock yeah. on others, everyone else. Um, so jumping back over because I really want to talk about kind of the betting, you know, and and mm-hmm. you, you made a couple of good points that. There, there's always a few industries that lead adoption. Um, porn is is one. Uh, gambling is the other, and it's because people kind of again, there's that there's the demand, and then there's also the the kind of facilitating and the ease of use. And in gambling across the board, and I, I only know a little bit about it, so you're going to have to help educate me and the, and the viewers. Um, it's really hard to deal with because a lot of credit card companies aren't interested in, in it. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of global restrictions and whatnot. So, so it makes sense to, to use the crypto rails. So the number one thing you got to remember in gambling, it's classed as a 7995 um, MCC code with credit cards and not every acquiring bank likes to accept it. So look, the whole essence around gambling, you go and play poker in the casino if you win, you're going to get paid out immediately. And my philosophy has always been very similar to Benny Binion, who ran the horseshoe in Vegas, that he had a million dollars at the front when you walked in off Fremont Street. So if you won big, and this is I go back 30 years ago, there's the money we can pay you. And if you lost, if if you lost your money, we'll give you a steak and egg breakfast, and so you can at least leave the casino with a full belly, and you've been somewhat entertained. Because gambling should only be entertainment; it shouldn't be putting everything at risk on the turn of a number. Yep. So our philosophy has been very simple marketing. If you win $1 or a million dollars or $10 million, we'll pay you in one minute. And we've done that the whole way through. Unfortunately, in the banking rails of the world with credit cards and and payments, that is impossible, number one, and bloody expensive, number two. So that's the biggest issue. In the end of the day, gambling is simply an e-commerce transaction, but the money moves in and out. And a gambler likes to hold his, he likes to hold the chips if he's won. We calculated scientifically within six hours, someone went 200 grand within six hours, the money's going to come back in in the Fibonacci sequence. And it's unbelievable. So I had to teach the support staff here. It's a temporary loan. Let's, let's send him a bottle of champagne as well and congratulate him because it's a 51, 49% coin flip. And if the 49% player has got lucky in one, we should be happy for them because they want to enjoy that entertainment in the future. So crypto just made an amazing rails for for two really important reasons. One, 
you could money could fly back and forth 20 times a day with no fees. If you're doing that with credit cards at 4.5% in and 2.5% out, it's going to eat up that money on merchant payment processing, which is the operator is not going to want to do that. But number two, from our perspective, when someone made a deposit, we use chain analysis to immediately go and understand how much money is in there, when they buy, where they buy from. From our KYC perspective, if money's coming from FTX or Binance or an exchange, we know they've been through a KYC process, so we're happy with that sort of passport and KYC. But also, what's our share of wallet? Are they playing with our competitors and how much is coming to us? So the most amazing amount of intelligence comes from chain analysis. One, to understand our customers, which is really important from the AML KYC perspective. More so than if someone's using a credit card, we can understand their financial history better. But two, how can we treat them to the best possible experience and kind of maximise our opportunity, if I can call it that. So it's brought financial transparency to us between you know between two uh, two pseudonymous parties, we now understand. It doesn't really matter what their name is, who are they, and what's in their account. We can see that, and we can provide the relevant experience for them. So that's how we've used it to sort of transform what we believe the, the, what was wrong with the gaming industry um, and, and how to take that forward. Now, obviously, there's certain government restrictions and licenses, and we have licenses from. Australia, England, Isle of Man, Malta, Curaçao, Estonia, all over Brazil, Mexico, Argentina. But um, there's some countries, obviously sanctioned countries we can't work in. We don't touch the American market at all. Um, We've got other investments who have got American licenses going in. So there's still my, my, my fundamental issue is still very geographically based because traditionally you go to a lottery and buy a ticket at the 7-Eleven in that state or in that country and the tax would go to the relevant authority. Coming online, it's a horizontal base that actually where is the point of consumption or where is the transaction struck, where should the tax be? And I like paying tax and keeping men in black suits happy. Don't get me wrong. Hey, but, we got, we got 80,000 new uh, black suits coming here in the U.S. So. <laughs> I read that. But how do we know who to pay the tax to? Where is the point of consumption taking place? Is it on the server? But hang on, we've got cloud services, AWS, and, and CloudFront or whatever around the world, and uh, dedicated, not dedicated, but cloud hosting. Is it where the, tran- the, the, the transactions happen from the money coming in? It's a very complicated um, environment. I even think this whole new digital age, where is an NFT being bought? As simple as yeah. that, because there's nothing tangible in the NFT. There's nothing tangible that you can hold on to in the, in the crypto, but there's an economic transaction. Where am I paying tax on the growth of that NFT? Is it my country of residence or, or whatnot? So it's a lot of questions to answer, and we try and keep pushing forward on that, um, but hugely interesting industry. Yeah, you know, and I want to I want to you know point out something here for for people that don't understand how complicated this can be. Um, and you you have employees all around the world, correct, Tim? Yep. So you have international payroll, and and I'll say I'm just going to give you a quick uh, give a quick synopsis of, of our experience because traditionally all my companies have been you know in the, in the United States, um, and even if they're not in the same state I'm in, you know it's it's relatively easy to transact. And as we built Y Whales, um, suddenly we're decentralized and we have you know employees really scattered around the world, and and I realized something and that. The entire banking system of which it operates today on Swift is designed, you know, first and foremost to collect taxes. Yeah. Um, so when 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 we have, you know, I, I have I have an uh, a, an employee uh, in, in Canada, and it's 
right there, not not far away. Uh, I know exactly how how much I need to pay this person. I you know here's here's the salary. Here's what needs to be paid. And I, in nine seconds, we can we can do that on crypto. Done. Mm-hmm. Here, it's money money is sent. It, it's in it's in their bank account. Uh, they can go buy bread with it. They can do whatever they want with it. It's it's over and done. That's not the way it works for payroll. You have to send the money to you know the payroll company has to you have to wire the money into the to an account. Then it has to go into uh, a, a, these various governments accounts and filter down so that each step along the way they're pulling their taxes out through all these various transactions. And by the way, you have to start five to seven days early on saying this is what you want to do and down the pipe you want to go. Yeah. It's an incredibly heavy um, and, and frustrating transaction to do. And and the reality was when I said to the, you know, I called the international payroll company, I said, I, I have no issue paying the taxes. I can see right here where they're listed. Tell me where to send the money and I will like here, this person is being paid and I will drop all them. I will mail them checks. I don't care, but I don't want to go through this seven day process of, of nonsense every time to declare I'm about to pay someone, get ready. Here comes some money. (laughs) It's, it's just, it's, it's smart contracts can just solve all of this. Um, and, and it, but I don't know what it's going to take to get there. You're right. It's how do you move a government agency online? Now, Again, from the gambling world, we've got a license in Northern Territory um, up in Darwin with two gambling licenses there. And we've been pushing them to accept crypto and Australian licensed gambling offer. Now they've finally published their first white paper about what cryptocurrency might look like. And I'm like, yes, finally, great. But in this paper, and I hope none of the lovely gents from Darwin are listening to this, they said, you can only send money from one Bitcoin address. And the money must go back to that Bitcoin address. I said, but you could have an address mutation. You can't or you succeed address every single time. You know, sure, there's clustering, but there's a lack of knowledge. But I, I congratulate them for putting a paper out to the people like me to give good, proper industry feedback about how it works. And it's, I've, I've helped many governments or uh, gaming regulators with understanding this. To answer your question about payroll, my biggest issue there is it's digital in the first place. Yeah, you're not actually getting a wheelbarrow of cash and going over to Toronto and dropping the cash off. It's a digital <laughs> transaction. So where is that five and seven days, and who is earning interest on that money for that five and seven days until it's in your employer's bank account? Yeah, and this is the question people need to be asking. It, it's nuts. It, and you know, you, again, I want to pivot back over to some of the work that you've done because you guys have done. You do a lot of education, and I think that that's one of the biggest things we see. Because I, I will say, there's a lot of times, you know, in the U.S. we. <laughs> Canada just put out a thing that like here's the the four approved cryptocurrencies of which you can buy unlimited amounts of, and and Bitcoin Cash is one of them. And I just oh bloody hell, it, 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 yeah, this is what I'm saying. It, you got Bitcoin, you got Ethereum, there's one other, and then there's like Bitcoin Cash. And I just go, this this is why we're we're not even close to mainstream adoption is because yeah. until the regulators understand what they're doing and and I'm going to go and say this the lobbyists have no idea what they're talking about and then you mm-hmm. and then you go even a step further and and the the quote unquote experts that were heavy into the into the asset class 3 4 5 years ago that have done nothing since and quite simply running around as consultants like that's how you get bitcoin cash being an approved you know a, 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 one of the five approved cryptocurrencies of which Canadians can now, can now you know own and operate is because somebody just has no idea what they're talking about. And and, and it's really like, been pushing it quite strongly in Canada and got it in there for some silly reason. 
Yeah, I mean, and again, it goes entirely against their entire thing of like eliminating proof of work. I mean, like yep. you chose yep. like the one shitcoin that still operates on on proof of work. Yeah, we, we we're very strong believers. We've done well in the in the crypto and the gaming world, no doubt about it. So, a very big part of our organisation is focused on the growing the adoption of crypto. Um, we, we launched the site LearnCrypto.com, non-profit. Um, and we're really trying to, it's like rabbit hole that XYZ, we want to take this out to the users we have and how do we onboard more people into the world that we love, um, bottom line. And, you know, how do we work with organizations who want to learn more about crypto? So Arsenal rang us up and said, we know you're doing Learn Crypto. Can you come in and do a seminar for our staff about how to use crypto? So we sent two guys over and 80 people from the Arsenal Football Club organisation rocked up to learn and go through our seminar, which includes getting your Exodus wallet, getting your MetaMask wallet, making your first transactions, buying your first NFT. And look, if we can change one person, then we've succeeded is the bottom line. And again, it's we don't want to stamp out or stop SWIFT or banking. That's still going to remain for the next... 150 years, whatever, but at least give people a viable alternative to see the light and transact better um, at the end of the day because it should be, if I did this in my dad in Australia money, dad, what's your, what's your thing? Bang, click, done. I remember a very funny story. Back in the day, I was big on Bitcoin talk, obviously, and someone came up and said, I'm at a bar in Paris and I can pay with crypto. This is about 2015. And some guy in Miami goes, whoa, man. Show me the QR code. I'm going to buy you a beer. <laughs> and then so the guy's got the QR code, took a photo, and a guy in Miami's paid for the beer. And, like, there was almost this crowd community excitement that this transaction, I've bought someone a beer from across the outside of the world, which would never be possible in a traditional finance perspective. But just let that – imagine back then, imagine what we can do in the future if this can already happen now. And it was a really exciting thing to see the evolution of how money – moves around the world. In 2015, how many Bitcoin did, was that beer and what was that worth today? <laughs> oh, I reckon probably about mid 500 bucks thereabouts. I bought my first four Bitcoins in September 2013 from Bitstamp and it cost me 175 euros per Bitcoin. And um, fortunately, I have never had to buy any more afterwards. But um, that was uh, Bitstamp back in the day. It was a great exchange. But yeah, look... <laughs> I, I, I'm almost scared with how the crypto valuations go up and down. And yes, it, the price goes up. It's all demand and supply. I completely understand that. But I'm still unsure of what people are buying and what is then signifying what this price. I think there needs to be utility behind a coin, behind an NFT. It's not just, it's not the end piece of tangible asset. It should be a derivative of dividends. It should be yield from rental on your and your, your property and you're earning a your yield and you're being paid that way. Smart contract, obviously, again, it shouldn't just be I'm buying a coin and it's going to magically go up and I'm going to make money because that just smells like Ponzi schemes and scams and whatever else and I think gives crypto a bad name, honestly speaking. So I would like it to be as flat as possible um, and have good, sensible growth of the long term which is how wealth is actually really created. It's called compound interest and everyone should know it and everyone should do it and not get greedy and have this quick mindset. But maybe the world we live in is so quick and moving so fast that people want quick results. And that's where well, maybe that's what sparks a market that the smart investors can get in and out at the right time. I don't know. 
Yeah, it, it, listen, there's there's no right answer on it, but you know, clearly you've been in the space for a while, you've watched it, you you've done very well with it and and you've been a great innovator in the space. You know, the one, the other thing I just kind of want to point out and, and just get your opinion on real quick is 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 play to play to earn, you know, play to live yep. as, as I think I've heard of it. And I, I see you're doing you're very involved in in Africa and a number of of kind of emerging markets. Um you know, there, there's there's kind of conflicted reports on is Axie Infinity the 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 end all be all. Um, I think it's it's boring and, and cute, but it's it's changed people's lives for the, for the better. And I think that that's the most important thing is that you're able to take somebody um, out of the out of the rice fields, out of the sweatshops, out of out of these um, you know horrible conditions, and, and teach them something that mm-hmm. that then can turn into to something going forward. And we've talked to you know Gabby with YGG, and you know really heard how he uh, thinks about the entire asset class, and we've talked to you know Palmas and, and and others uh with Darren and and it's just amazing to kind of hear people saying I believe I can change the world through through blockchain gaming and what's your thoughts yeah so we're we're, we're a little bit involved with YJG as well um and from from one one angle but we also had a number of scholars and and players and whatnot a couple of years ago we started that up um I love that it gives people the opportunity to make more money than that they could make in their own economy, if I can call it that. So, you know, if a, a Filipino rice farmer can go and make 50 bucks a day or 30 bucks a day and gross $1,000 in the month compared to the 150 working on a rice farm, I think that's a wonderful opportunity for them. I think where the play to earn games have failed is the simplicity behind them. There's no, there's not enough to it. You, 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 you've got to do something, sort of use your brain to earn money at the end of the day, not just press buttons and hope for the best. That said, <coughs> it gives people the chance to go and buy those NFTs and have those those scholars playing so we can buy NFTs and earn yield from them at the end of the day, which is like buying a house and earning yield, uh, rent from the house. So we can promote into that economy. People can earn money. And there's 2.5 million Filipinos who have been onboarded to crypto that now are starting to use crypto as their form of um, transactional basis in, in McCarthy or Ciba or wherever else. So I think the diversity of, um, of wealth throughout the world can be sm- shortened a little bit um, by onboarding more people into sort of this technology and letting them play and, and, and do something. I think there should be an evolution. We, we, we've invested in a couple, one in India um, it's a cricket World Cup type game with 30 million monthly active users. They're going to move it to to um, a play to earn model, and I think that's a game that Indians, well, Australians as well. We love cricket, don't get me wrong, but now can actually play something they enjoy and could earn thirty dollars a day by doing it. This is a wonderful opportunity. It's a bit like going to Fiverr. You know, I used to do gigs on Fiverr back in the day, and. I was good at doing something and I got paid to do it. So congratulations to me and earning a living. Um, I think it gives people opportunity to move beyond because if you're in a certain level of society economically, it's impossible to get in front, no doubt about it, in a capitalist world. So it gives people their own entrepreneurial way through and that others like myself could invest and also earn yield on these NFTs that i got as well and the whole ecosystem can grow just again What's amazing about the, the crypto world is that tokenomics is so minusculely detailed, analysed, looking for holes in the economic theory behind it, it can crash, i.e. Terra Luna, if there's a way that hedge funds can get involved, or it can be hacked, i.e. by the when, uh, when, when um, Axie Infinity got hacked. We are open and transparent, and it opens up defences. So 
again, centralisation, decentralisation. We want one thing, but we need to protect from the other thing. Where's the right balance? But I, I love the space and I love the space because it gives people opportunity and it gives us a chance to educate them and bring them out of the, the, the level of society they're in, if I can say that ever so gently and kindly. Literally, this is really one of the most fabulous conversations because you're so open and honest with what you guys are working on and you have such a wide breadth of, of kind of work that you're doing in the asset class and you've done for so long. So so with kind of the knowledge that you have, the connections that you have and, and the innovation of which you guys have pushed forward, you know, what are some things that, that you know, in and around Web3 that, that aren't your own um, that, that, you may, that you may be interested in uh, kind of sharing from a, from an alpha drop perspective? So I think there's a big opportunity on um, collateralized Bitcoin or Ethereum and taking USDT as a loan. Now, obviously, the way it's been set up at the moment is it's like a decentralized peer-to-peer network of I'll put my Bitcoin up, I'll put my USDT up and get it. I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Um, mind you, uh, I, I think it was the, all the RV and all them, they, during the Terra Luna f- fiasco, all those those DeFi ones, nothing changed because it was everyone was paid out transparently on a smart contract. So I, I like that space. I like the financial area of not everyone wants to use their bitcoins, and so how can you how can you leverage them to your own benefit uh, in that sense? And we, we've found we're building one called Borrow.io. Literally, put your bitcoins up, take USDT. Do what you need to do, which may or may not include putting a bet on the football, um, but that's a separate arm's length um, sort of operation. What, what I really like is Zappa.fi. Um, yeah, I think what them. they're doing, it's really, really cool, and it's almost like you're creating your own financial portal, um, but obviously connected with your NFT galleries and you're connected with your MetaMask, your Wallet Connect, and you know, I'm looking at what they're doing and thinking, well, hang on, for how, our high rollers – and or our whales how do i how can i create something like that and to the extent um, what is a, a, a casino vip player what do they want well they want to be entertained they want to try and break the house but they don't mind losing because it's entertainment at the same time if we could then provide them with this sort of private member club and then inside that which they're connecting through through an nft from playing a lot we give them banking we give them trading we give them investment opportunities so from our venture capital we can you know we're invested in some pretty cool um uh assets that wouldn't be open to the general public but if you're one of our whales then you and you're part of this club we will open up the chance to invest and take equity uh in there as well and really try and how do we give a a silver glove or white glove service to our best players which is not gambling related it's more financial health and growth and and wealth creation coming from again our experience so I think there's so much more can be done with that. And this is where the NFTs, I look at the NFT, it's a key in essence. It will unlock access to something. And the metadata, if it, you don't continue to do what you need to do, the metadata will stop you having access to that. Or you can sell your key to someone else for a perceived premium value. And that's what I love about it. I love um, Zed Run. I think it's an amazing um, site. I think their execution could be a little bit better if they finally did a deal with me, but that's the, beside the point. What they're doing with the horses and the gaming and the, the sort of the NFTs and the breeding and sort of, if you look at the hereditary, what we call the bloodlines of horses, this is what blockchain does. You can guarantee and look back through the, the, the genealogy or the bloodline of a horse 
and all the metadata on what horse runs good and runs bad, and then you can run a book on it, and you can then have these futuristic graphics. I'm then thinking I can advertise on here as well and put sportsbet.ai up there, and every market participant can do what they want to do, and I'll pay for my advertising, which will end up funding the cost of the horse races, which the people who own the horses who have them can race them and try and win money from their horses. It's a different way of thinking about it, and I love connecting those dots around there. You know, it, it, I, I want to also point out something you said, and it was around utility. That, it, that if there's no utility, if there's nothing you're doing, then it's just for fun. And yep. and you know, everything that you just described, you're you're trying to give real world utility. And we always talk about, you know, cryptocurrencies is great, but if you're in a third world country of which you're not allowed to have banking, can you buy bread? Um, and, and in Africa, they, they're kind of kind of going around the banks and say, and, you know, merchants are willing to accept Bitcoin as a currency and that makes it real. Um, you know, we had an issue in, in you know, in, in other parts of the country, they're just not there yet. And so you can have, you know, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars of cryptocurrency, but if you can't buy a loaf of bread with it, you, you're missing a, you're missing a big point. And I love the fact that your guys are connecting those, those, those lines and really thinking about it, um, from that utility perspective. But I think there's an issue here. I, Bitcoin, and I love the simplicity of Bitcoin, and love that it doesn't get, grow and get bigger and do forks and whatever else. I think it's just a very simple working protocol that will always be there. But it's very hard to buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin at the end of the day. Now, our uh, cafe we here have the office. We accept USDC. And we recommend um, the sequence wallets because it's the fastest, it's the easiest, and it's at the lowest fees. Because guess what? When people pay six euros for a blunt, for a ham and cheese sandwich, they don't want to pay a dollar eighty on top for the privilege of paying in crypto. They want yeah. this is on on the ticket. It was cents on the pennies on the dollar to move millions of dollars. Well, then let's be true to that. Let's actually. I don't want high gas fees. So. This is where I think Lightning really comes into it and opening up those payment channels in that layer above the core fundamental Bitcoin um, uh, protocol there and Lightning works. And we've actually built a, a new wallet called iStream and it's the first crypto wallet which has its own Lightning node on the phone itself. But then to do that, we needed to have obviously open up payment channels. So we've now built another thing called a Lightning LSP, a Lightning Service Provider. So we can help open up those payment channels. It's difficult chicken and the egg problem, but I think given our user base and our knowledge and our enthusiasm for growing this, we enjoy being a part of growing up this lightning network uh, and making it work so you can go and buy a slice of pizza. Uh, I know the bit refill guys for many, many years and they're very heavy into it as well. But I guess what? I used to use them. I'd get off a plane somewhere, I'd go to bit refill, get my SIM card I've got, I'd do my top up with crypto and by the time I got my baggage from the baggage uh, carousel, my phone was working, good to go, thanks very much. And that was just a crypto payment to the bit refill and there's my phone, good to go. So maybe we need to look in Africa, which is mobile minutes are such an important commodity for people there. How do we bring crypto in line with solving real world problems? Yep. No, I, and, and that really is what it has to be. Is, is I think you summed it up right there. Cryptocurrency has to solve real world problems. Otherwise, we're just playing a video game and we're, we're just having fun. Yep. So I, I yeah. love that. 
Um, Tim, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it from, from all of Y Whales. We're excited to have you as, as a member and, and uh, um, really excited to kind of continue to watch the, the growth of this in a variety of ways and, and YOLO support as well. So, yeah, uh, look, I'm, I'm very, very excited to have joined Y Whales as well. And um, like we said the other day, I'm, I'm looking forward to the first in person uh, conference. And I hope you have one this side of the pond or in, the, in, in Dubai or something because um, it'd be great to catch up, have dinner, and meet more of the Y Whale network. And um, I don't know, I just call as I see it and I love being part of communities that think beyond where we are right now and I think Wild Wales is that perfect um, platform for that. So thanks for having me on today. I've really enjoyed it. I love it. And, and I think you've made a really strong case for us to have a meetup in Estonia. Uh, I, I think a few, I think a few more of our members, if you, if you let us know what the taxes are like, uh, for, for crypto purchases, we, we, we may, uh, you may see a few of us because Spain, <laughs> Spain, Portugal just screwed us all over. So yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> all right. Very all good. you Y whales, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Jay. Cheers. Y whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. Y Whales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.